I can't contain my excitement. This cannot be true. This just is not real. You know, it's been a week, but it still hasn't quite sunk in. Daniel Ricardo is going to be back in an Alpha Tauri. I never thought about that. I knew for a certain fact that Nick DeFries would be out there, but this, yeah, a little bit left field. I think we might say he's a lot hungry for more, isn't he, Kunal? Low-hanging fruit, I know, but sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do, right? Like the Alpha Tauri, very low-hanging fruit for Ricardo as well, but you have to take it up sometimes. I should have guessed that you will actually use hungry for more when it came to this weekend's race preview episode. I was wondering what are you going to sort of pun on? And that was, of course, hungry for more. But is Alpha Tauri really a low-hanging fruit for for Daniel Ricardo? Because, you know, when when I was making some notes of talking of Ricardo, yes, he's back. We know the whole thing that they want to put Perez under pressure. They want to give Ricardo the chance to shine. They want to test Yuki Sonoda and give him a reference point. But when or where will Daniel Ricciardo qualify this weekend? And I actually wrote down on my predictions, he's going to be out of Q1. Oh, That's my prediction. Come on. Please, please, please. Don't be a sadist to every single one listening. Nobody wants to hear that. Come on. But hey, Sundaram, is Alpha Tauri has to be the lowest of the low-hanging fruits, right? Like, if you're P10, how low can the low-hanging fruit be? And I feel like, although I hate to say or hear what Kunal has just said, he might have... You might have a sense of sensibility in that point. I mean, I'm sure when Nick DeVries is not in Alpha Tauri anymore and it's nice to have that sort of a character in Formula 1 once again. But to be very honest, I think we've seen Ricardo struggling a fair bit with McLaren as well. Now he's just going to struggle with an Alpha Tauri. It's more <laughs> different. <laughs> Here we go. Here's, here's every single one of our listeners that make us the top 1.5% of all podcasts in the world leaving in a second. That's it. They're gone they're like, you guys don't deserve more listens for this episode. But, you know, I'm going to just pick on what Sundaram said. Imagine, you know, at the moment, Lando Norris kicked Daniel Ricciardo into retirement. I really hope it doesn't end up being Yuki Sonoda who kicks him into a second retirement sabbatical, whatever you call it. I really hope. I mean... I know Japan is a very small listener base, so I can say this, but it's a bit more embarrassing if if it's Yuki Sonoda who's sort of, you know, been the reason why you couldn't do what you could do at Alpha Tauri. I mean, right now, everyone is dreaming Ricardo and Red Bull Racing in 25, but that is so distant in the future. Is it really, though, Sundaram? Because Sergio Perez, the way he's performing, all the spotlight, apart from P18, P19, where we expect Ricardo to realistically be, the spotlight will be on him and Sergio Perez because that's the biggest comparison we're all looking for. And qualifying records, as you pointed out in all of your stats so far, that doesn't really look very good for Sergio, does it? Oh, it really doesn't. But I really think the whole plan with Daniel Ricardo, I mean, to be on a very serious note, the plan with Ricardo is really multi-layered and, and long-term. There's the other rumors doing the rounds that Yuki Sunoda might move to Aston Martin in 2026 because uh-huh. Aston Martin is partnering up with Honda. So maybe Yuki is not there in the long-term plans of Red Bull and Red Bull really don't need a number one driver at this point of time because they have Max tied down till 2028. So what they're really looking forward to is a strong number two driver who gives them a lot of options on, on race day. And we've seen the sort of camaraderie or or 
the sort of friendship that Ricardo or partnership that Ricardo and Verstappen are able to you know, uh, have on track. And that's something that they're really missing right now. So I think Ricardo at some point of time is going to be in that Red Bull seat. Maybe 2024 if Perez is qualifying Ooh. or race performances continue uh, the way they're going. And they would really like, I mean, even Ricardo's in that stage of his life where he's probably happy to be in a front running car maybe at some point of time and he wouldn't really mind being the number two driver you also have to remember that he probably rejected a lot of other teams further down in the grid last year so what really is his incentive of joining Alpha Tauri this year unless there is some talk to be back in Red Bull at a later date I think the incentive is very very clear he gets to compete against a driver who's beaten Max Verstappen in equal machinery Twice in 2022. <laughs> That's Yuki Sonoda, my friends. He's the only man who's done it so far. Not Sergio. But hey. You need to talk- give some context. Some oh, context on that. <laughs> ah, the monster truck races and a couple of other weird vehicles. But it's okay. He beat Max Verstappen in equal machinery. It's important. Remember. But this, folks, is the Inside Line F1 podcast. Welcome along. We're one of the world's top 1.5% of all podcasts. And my name is Somal Arora. I'm the host of the Indian Racing League on Star Sports. And the two voices you hear alongside me. Firstly, the last voice you heard, F1 Stats Guru Sundaram. He is, again, a part of the WTF1 talent roster. And his stats have been read out by Crofty on the Sky F1 broadcast so many times. I've actually lost count. Also, the other voice that you heard at the very beginning, and the next voice you are going to hear after me, Kunal Shah, the former marketing head of the Sahara Force India Formula 1 team, now working as a motorsport and Formula 1 consultant at the Viaplay Network in Norway, but he's also on camera sometimes to talk about Formula 1 and to explain it to all the people. So, let's get to Formula 1 and let's get to Hungary, Kunal, because in the last few weeks, you've spoken a lot about qualifying on air in Norway, and you've spoken a lot about gaps and how It's such an important thing to nail down. This weekend, more than anything, qualifying has to be super tricky because we've seen great battles at Hungary, but only very few people can get past, notably Fernando Alonso. (laughs) Notably Fernando Alonso. And, you know, when we talk of Hungary, that, you know, Ocon win that happened in 2021 will be remembered more for what Fernando Alonso did to hold up Lewis Hamilton. Right. But uh, Hungary, great circuit. You're going to hear a lot of drivers say things like it feels like a go-kart track you're driving on. Some of the engineers will say this is like Monaco, but without the walls. What that really means is that the setup and the downforce requirements at Hungary are very, very similar to Monaco. Passing is very difficult, which is what I sort of like. I, You know, I've our regular listeners would know that for me, the battle on track is more important than an actual overtake. But I realize that I'm probably from an older era of Formula One when I wish for that. But it, it, is, a, it is a beautiful circuit by itself. It's the 38th year that we're going to have a race in Hungary, which I think is pretty fantastic. And, you know, guys, we actually tried, we're still trying to get Zolt Baumgartner, the only Hungarian Grand Prix driver ever as a guest on our podcast. So hopefully he gets there soon enough. We were trying to get him for this episode. Didn't happen. We'll see when we get him next. It's a fun way to manifest, isn't it, Sundaram? (laughs) I hope that does happen. I mean, coincidentally, I was was speaking about Zol Baumgartner to uh, one of my colleagues recently at work. Uh, But I actually want to do a little rewind to last year's Hungarian Grand Prix. And I want to know if you can, I mean, I hope you remember what happened last year, but I want to know what your favorite moments from last year's race were. I'm just going to read out a few just so that it's easy to remember. So, Verstappen spinning out 
on his way to winning the race from 10th on the grid Correct. it was a george russell's pole position ferrari's comical strategy to move on to hards <laughs> yeah or was it something else uh what else happened last year no hamilton starting alone was 21 was happened spinning and winning was definitely wait what else are we missing here kunal are we you're definitely missing something think think uh, think williams think williams ah uh, uh, i now this is where you know last Williams, Nicholas Latifi, was it? Yes, that was the last. Gotifi, did he do Gotifi, something? Gotifi was uh, the last time oh, he yes. scored a point. The last time he, he scored a point, yes. No, oh, the, no, no, no. FP3, oh, FP3. No, Nicholas Latifi topped FP3. Yes, topped FP3. Oh, goodness! <laughs> wow, what a thing to celebrate! He topped FP3 only to be eliminated in Q1. I'm pretty sure of that stat. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, he didn't score points, but yes, he topped FP3. But you know, the, Hungary has had three different race winners from three different teams in the last three years. We had Verstappen in 22. By the way, he started eighth at that time. We had Ocon in 21. I think he started tenth or something. And there was that famous race where Lewis was the only driver taking the start. And then in 2020, we had Lewis Hamilton, which makes it three different drivers for three different teams. So, will it be McLaren? this weekend that's what everybody's been talking about and uh, you know third of their third upgrade is i mean you know they said they're going to have their upgrades over three races mclaren this is the third race uh, oscar piastri and lando norris have both said that these upgrades solve only 30% of our weaknesses 70% are still to go but all eyes on them can they like legitimately join the battle for p2 at a track Uh, whose uh, you know characteristics are so different from Austria and Silverstone the last two races that we had yeah and that'll be interesting right because i remember talking about this in our british gp review sundaram about how hungary will be the biggest test and we went on about it quite a fair bit about how mclaren have actually nailed a couple of really different types of circuits in the last couple of races austria being one with really long straights and slow corners the uk being a circuit with again lots of high speed corners and a couple of really quick straights that come up and then follow along with a lot of high speed corners but this one will be a tricky challenge because there are tons of low to medium speed corners and realistically mclaren have been very out there in saying that okay our straight line speed isn't quite what makes us the best and hungary only has one proper long straight i think it's around 700 of meters if i'm not mistaken I think it once used to be one of the longest straights in F1 but that's like a 100 odd years ago. But the point being these these corners right here the second and the third sector that we have at the Hungarian GP circuit that will be a true test of McLaren and the way things function all the way through in the race will be such an interesting thing to decode. And I wonder how good Aston Martin here as, uh, as well because they are now meant to be good at these high to medium speed corners and then suddenly all the other teams have caught up and then their pace just sort of looks mediocre. this weekend will answer so many questions that we've had in our head and that for me makes it such an exciting sunday because not only will we get to know more about ricardo not only will we get to know more about how can sergio perez climb back up from another q2 qualifying position but also so much more on just who really is all the way through from p3 to i don't know p15 it's that big of a mixed up grid oh, absolutely right this weekend is going to answer a lot of questions um especially from daniel ricardo's point of view from sergio perez's point of view will he finally get over his qualifying troubles and if mclaren really has a very quick car 
I mean, Hungary is a different challenge altogether. It's a different circuit, but it'll also answer if Aston Martin are a team who are still in the fight for second position. Because if you remember before Monaco, we were considering Monaco and Hungary as one of the prime circuits for Fernando Alonso to get his thirty-third race win, and everything's pretty much gone silent. So, if this weekend they struggle, then things look very, very difficult for Aston Martin and Fernando. Uh, your mission. Mission thirty three, yes. <laughs> mission thirty three, <laughs> yes. Mission thirty three is definitely on, but uh, I wouldn't say it's very optimistic at this time. It, I mean, on paper, probably this circuit does kind of favor Aston Martin, but I think we'll only get to know closer to qualifying. Well, on paper, you know what? You, you on on paper. Sorry, sorry, Samit. I, I have to say this on paper. And if you go go back, you know, I said Monaco without walls. I, I'm sure you guys remember what happened in qualifying in Monaco. Fernando Alonso, uh, first it was Ocon who took provisional pole. Alonso almost just narrowly beat him, and then less than a tenth was Max Verstappen in the wall. Literally, we had three different teams uh, in the top three in qualifying, and. Will Saturday turn out to be more exciting in Hungary than Sunday, for example? I'm I'm excited to see, and you know, when Fernando is sort of right now feeling a little low with whatever the kind of circuits that have gone and upgrades, etc., coming in, could he be in contention for something at the front row? Because this whole low to you know, medium speed corners works so well for Aston Martin. I'd love to see what they're able to do. I think we also have a little bit of rain forecast this weekend. Again, who's been doing the rain dance? Because uh, there's been, I think, pretty I much think every so. race, there's something or the other that's coming up with, uh, I mean, I don't mind the, the rain dance. But the last four races, Somil, have seen four different teams be second fastest. McLaren was the new one added to the list. Yep. I think I think now, finally, there'll be a repeat. I don't think outside Ferrari, Mercedes and McLaren. And who did I miss? Aston Martin. I don't think there's a fifth team unless Williams suddenly springs a surprise and says, "Guys, guess what? We are now back in the mix. This new tire construction is working to our advantage, or something." But yeah, yeah, like like you guys are saying, lots of questions that will be answered this weekend. Guys, if it ends up being Williams this weekend, who is the second fastest team? Uh, I'm I'm just not going to continue doing the podcast for a couple of weeks because I'll need to digest that for two weeks at least. Before saying anything at all, now that's not going to happen. No chance. But uh, it'll be fun to watch how it eventually goes about, and it'll be fun to watch it together if you're in Mumbai because we're doing another live event for again the Hungarian GP at Varsova Social. Now that's near Andheri. Again, very accessible by the metro as well. And in case you want to join us, you can check out the link in the description. And you would want to because there is going to be a really fun pre and post race show that we can engage and interact about the race together. And as always, a Formula One quiz prepared by F1 stats guru himself. So let's hope it's a really fun race on Sunday. But I think honestly, Sundaram, we should also start to make, uh, the, rather curate these events for Saturday as well. Because these days, qualifyings have been super interesting. And I know at the start we mentioned about Sergio Perez, about where he will qualify. I think this has to be one of the best qualifying sessions of the entire year for two reasons. Firstly, the grid has been so well bunched up. I think it's been a couple of times, at least three, four or times where we've seen the grid in under one second of the overall poll time. That firstly is mind-blowing, considering where the gaps were at the start of last season. But also the fact is, in Hungary, 
it is that extra bit vital. So a certain number of drivers might be pushing that much harder because we all know that not everyone is Fernando Alonso and not everyone can pass around the outside of Turn 3. It's just just not possible for everyone. Oh, absolutely. Qualifying once again is going to be very exciting to see. And I think in the recent seasons, if you compare the recent seasons, this year's qualifying has been very much more closely fought amongst many drivers in that sense. Uh, there was also Lando last last time out. So I'm very excited to see what happens in qualifying. Um, the sort of characteristics of, of the Hungaro ring also kind of tip it in that favor. So Saturday is going to be very exciting to, to see what happens. But what I'm also very interested to see is the fact that we're going to have car numbers 1, 2, 3, 4 on the grid once again um, for the first time in the hybrid era. Oh, so one is Verstappen. Oh, yes. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Any guesses when that last happened? One, two, three, four. Let me let me think. Okay, that must have been 2013. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, the because last race of 2013. The last race of 2013 because uh, back then number one was Vettel, number two was Weber, number three was Alonso, and number four was uh, Felipe Massa. Wait, so you're making it clear, right? Wow. Weber was number two, not not in the team dynamics, <laughs> but just just in the car number sense, yes? Yes, race number, yes. Okay, good to know. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's a crazy one, isn't it? It's been, what, 10, 10 odd years since that happened? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's not the only real wow. change, is it? Because in qualifying, we're also now having a pseudo-new format, aren't we? Yes, there is the, the you know, they're going to use hard for Q1, mediums for Q2, softs for Q3, Formula 1's, you know, doing all these. They want to keep changing these things. This time they say we're going to test if we can actually reduce the overall number of tires used, you know, number of sets used during a weekend, make, make it more sustainable, etc., etc. So it's not down to entertainment for once, but this is where Checo Perez is like, my goodness, guys, you guys are only going to make it tougher for me. I mean, imagine there is just one qualifying session this weekend, which will have this alternative tire allocation. That's what Formula One calls. I love these Formula One abbreviations. This one reads ATA or ATA. So my, my daughter is very excited because that's her nickname and this is now called the ATA qualifying session that we will have on Saturday not bad you know, from what I see from, sorry from what I see there's a little bit of rain forecast for Saturday as well so Sergio Perez is really going to be questioning why does it have to be me always <laughs> like that Mario Balotelli t-shirt as well like when he scored one yeah. goal he just <laughs> pulled his head up and said why always me no but even if it is dry I think realistically this is the one last thing that we should discuss that it's just going to be tougher for a driver like Sergio Perez who's lost on confidence or even someone like Daniel Ricciardo because now you've got to set your first lap on hards. And the way things are, some teams are just not able to get some tyres worked up. That just normally happens. That Again, we are able to see... uh, It's a really tricky trend that you can't really comment on who exactly favours what. But we are going to discover this in qualifying because normally since everyone uses softs, it becomes... Very easy to check what the qualifying pace is. But now that some teams will have to go for hard and mediums, we'll also figure out, okay, can a certain team, like for instance, can a Williams really warm up their hard tyres well enough to get out of Q1? Because on the soft, they might have genuine Q, like let's say Q2 pace, but they just might not be there with the hard compound tyres. And so the grid might be artificially arranged in a way that isn't representative of the proper qualifying pace, Sundaram. Oh, absolutely. And that also kind of takes us back to what happened at the British Grand Prix. 
McLaren were able to switch on their hard tires more quickly than Lewis Hamilton was probably able to extract from his soft tires. So every team has a different level of degradation or warming up. And that's going to be very interesting to see if if teams like Williams can get out of a Q1 or even Haas can get out of Q1. So in that sense, it's going to be quite interesting to see what, what pans out uh, during qualifying. But I also have to mention that there's going to be special focus on Max Verstappen this time out because he's won the last five races from pole position. And if he wins, if he takes pole this time, that's going to be his sixth consecutive pole. And if he wins it, it's going to level the all-time record for most consecutive wins from pole, um, which was done by Michael Schumacher in the early 2000s. Six. Wow. Ridiculous. You know, the driver with most poles here is Lewis Hamilton. He's got eight poles. Of course, Max's six poles have come across six different circuits. But uh, these kind of numbers are just staggering in every way. You know, it's like you get a dominant car, you hit another gear, you're in a different mental zone, and all you do is go in and out, in and out, and perform. And what I love is, you know, different conditions, different rivals, different situations, different characteristics. And Max in that Red Bull is able to come up uh, strong, come up ahead compared to everybody else. And, you know, we also spoke of, you know, you guys explained very well of how qualifying order might not be representative of actual pace. What this also does, this whole alternative tire allocation, in my view, is limits. It limits race strategy because you are forcing uh, teams and drivers to use certain sets at certain times, which then means that when you go into the race, you you have limited tires to choose from when it comes to wanting to use alternative strategies. But I'm guessing, you know, Formula One will keep testing these formats and try and find a way and 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 give us something better along the way. But predictions, qualifying predictions. I'm not going to make a race prediction. We know what it is. <laughs> My qualifying prediction, and and this is this is this is a, this is a dichotomy. Uh-huh. Okay, if Daniel Ricciardo exits in Q1 but exits ahead of Yuki Zanoda. Is that a win? I mean, is that like a bittersweet moment or what? So he's beaten Yuki in qualifying, which is what Red Bull would want. But hey, he's out of Q1. Mm, I think it's good, isn't it? It's, uh, it's a start, is it not? A start of more Q1 eliminations? Maybe I mean, so. I, I don't know. I mean, Daniel has at least uh, been honest <laughs> saying that the Alpha Tauri has its limitations. And I read the first comment underneath that video on YouTube. And the one person, I don't know who their name was, but if you're listening to this, my friend, you've nailed it. He said, that's the biggest understatement that you could possibly give in all of Formula 1. That the Alpha Tauri has limitations. It's going to be interesting. I think I am, I hate to say this, but I also feel that it's going to be a Ricardo Q1 exit. But more importantly, guys, where do we think Sergio Perez qualifies? Because I think with the new format and Sergio Perez's existing problems, if it's dry, I don't think he's going beyond Q2. What do you think, Sundaram? I'm making a very bold prediction this time. He makes oh, it into boy. Q3. Yay! He makes it into Q3. Well done. Well done, my friend. <laughs> okay, let, why, why, don't, why don't I top it up? He will be on pole and he will win this race from pole. So Red Bull will get... <laughs> 12 races on the trot, that win uh, record of McLaren. Uh, I mean, they've won, what, 20 out of the last 21 races. That's the kind of crazy numbers they're coming up with. But, you know, another Twitter handle actually did this comparison. Biggest points differences between F1 teammates after 10 rounds since 2010. And in the top five rankings there, 
the second ranking was Verstappen Perez, 99 points, which is this season. Third was Alonso Stroll, which is 93 points again this mm-hmm. season. So, are we, I don't know. I mean, just using numbers, is Stroll as good as Checo Perez or has Perez had as bad a season as Lance Stroll? I think he's better. I think he really is better because he's allowing... Fernando Alonso to open up a new side of himself. You see, that's what the best teammates are there for. They enable the others to be better human beings and better people. And so he's opening up this mentor side of Fernando Alonso. I, I think you have to look at it from a bigger human perspective, Kunal. Now, don't judge Lance Stroll on just the racing. It's it's more about what happens off the track. Understand the bigger picture, my friend. <laughs> and that's all the banter and bullshit we're going to do. Wow. <laughs> no, but... And the banter and bullshit we'll do on Sunday. I would love to be there this Sunday. But I'm not there this Sunday. I will be there next Sunday. I will be at our race screening for Spa. But more on that later. Right now, all eyes on Hungary. Yes, indeed, folks. So, if you are in Mumbai, again, check out the link in the description of this episode to know how you can join us for our Hungarian GP F1 pit stop, where there's just so much more than just a proper race screening as well. Well, that's been us from the Inside Line F1 podcast. We'll be back with the Hungarian GP review on Monday. And also, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share it with any friends or family members who might enjoy this. See you on Sunday, folks, if you're in Mumbai. And if you're just listening and watching along across the globe, see you on Monday. Bye-bye. <laughs>